I'm going to actually wear glasses today because now I can see what I wrote down, you know. Boy, it's been a while. It has. You know. It has. We're back. Yeah, we're, we're back. <laughs> I'm Scott Farber, and of course, I'm along with the Memphis living legend, former NFL player from the New York Giants, current NFL Players Association president of the Dallas-Fort Worth chapter, and this is so long all the time, host of the GBC TV <laughs> online TV show, The Extra Point, starring Larry Mallory, and co-host of this uh, Extra Point podcast, my friend, Larry Mallory. Well, thank you. And that's the good part. I'm a good friend of Scott Farmer. That, that's that's right. That's part. right. Well, it's been a while. We've been off a while. And we're getting ready for season three of the Extra Point uh, TV show that we're excited about. We're going to have some uh, uh, neat little changes and surprises. And, uh, um, and one of the surprises that I'm going to want you to do in the TV show, I'm going to throw at you in a few minutes here when we need a little break from this tense action we're going to get into. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Well, well, let me just ask you right out. Now that we're getting ready for the next football season, does the Players Association have a stand on the national anthem? What is going on with this? Wow, well, you know, that's a good way to start, isn't it? Because yeah. I guess that's in the news more than anything else. Uh, we, they, there's, it just kind of has been going back and forth. Or there was a stance from the point of, of the Players Association stating that some players could stay in the locker room and not have to come out on the field. In fact... Um, I don't know if this was pre-1993 or not. You know, I played in the 70s, but in those early years, players didn't come out until the anthem was over. But from the Players Association perspective, now they're saying that players can stay in the locker room prior. However, some team, the team has the ability of uh, creating whatever the requirement is for the team. For instance, I think the Cowboys are saying that they'd like for the, if they're on the field, they'd like for all their players to stand and salute the flag uh, in some way, now, not to kneel. Has the NFL recognized or acknowledged that the whole thing with Colin Kaepernick that started, nobody was ever protesting the anthem or the military? Has that been acknowledged at it, least? Have you gotten that from them yet? It, it has been acknowledged. It's been acknowledged that that the whole mission and effort, even, even the recommendation of kneeling came from a military veteran, uh, to Colin. So it has been acknowledged, okay. but it also, you know, based upon the, the different variations of information that we have flowing in our, in, in, in our environment today, some people are still, you know, locked in on it being what it wasn't, which was applied on the military or anything like that. It was relating to the shootings in the neighborhoods. Okay. Well, now I want to give a shout out to Dale Hansen, a local sportscaster here in Dallas. Um, he does some political commentary every now and then. He's a very bright guy. Uh -huh. You know, um, see, some sports guys have some knowledge. Oh, hey, we do, we do. And you he, do as well. And he, <laughs> not much, for a little bit maybe. But he, he uh, talked about uh, or showed Jerry Jones during the national anthem, I guess at practice or something. I just got a glimpse of this where Jerry Jones left his cap on and was talking to the guy next to him, which was his son, during the anthem. Does this mean anything? I mean, you know, does that get called out? You know. Well, you know, there's also been statements made that that um, if you go to actually within the stadiums that the anthem is being played, if you go up near the concession stand, you know, the people that are are buying drinks and right, getting right. food, and and they're not acknowledging it as well. So it, it uh, we know how it started. Uh, we also know that that there's been a player coalition. Uh, right. That's 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 somewhat negotiating with the NFL owners to try to create more of a social justice, uh, better social justice environment in the neighborhoods. They're talking about different grants and that type thing. So it has bought 
it's about uh, interest or visibility to some issues. And at least some of the players are trying to, active players and former players are moving towards satisfying I love those you. Issues. You're, running, you're running for office. You didn't tell me one thing about Jerry Jones standing with his hat on. Well, you know, there's also a picture out there with Jerry Jones uh, arm in arm with players. Right. And the players are kneeling. Right, right, right. So there's, you know, it's according to what angle you take. It's right. according to what time of day you're looking at it. He, he's taking perspective. But, but I think the most recent decision he's made right. is that all of his players will be on the field and that yeah. they will honor the national now, anthem. Now, you know, I look at Jerry's an older guy and all this. I wasn't upset that he had his head on and was talking during the anthem. You know, um, you, you know that he didn't mean any harm by it. But it was something to point out. Yeah. Y- yeah you know, yeah, so. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, and, you know, think about this, too. You know, football has been an excellent vehicle for many, many people to come out of one economic condition into a better condition. That's right. what our country is about. Right, right. Having the opportunity to improve. So trust me, that game is a game that people look to improve their lives, not to challenge them. And so with so many with so much interest in the game you know and and with having those 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 rights to be able to voice an opinion and use that platform does get visibility for from for for certain types of you know opportunities so i think that's what was happening so next week we're going to tape the first uh uh tv program of the extra point for the third season so are you going to ask your guests um what their favorite national anthem singer is or who their favorite national anthem singer is um, I, I don't know if I'm going to ask them that, but uh, but if you tell me to ask them that, then they'll, they'll get that question. Well, well let, me, let me tell you something. You, you know, I was, we were kind of kidding around in the office the other day and talking about that, you know, um, um, and I'll tell you what, the best one I ever heard, and I still watch it on YouTube, is Whitney Houston in 91 at Super Bowl 25 in Tampa. It was around the Persian Gulf War time. Uh, she belted out an anthem that was it gives you chills. Yeah, it was really good. You know, with us being in the locker room during that time, I'm not sure if players really could. You know, some of the former players that have watched the games, right, you know, right. they probably could. But I guess during your active player time, you really. So why were you in the locker room during the anthem back then? Um, I'm not sure. I don't know how that works. I do know that now that the, I think the military actually plays the NFL to do the flag and the anthem environment. I, I think that's the case. It might, it might have been maybe just they, because they did the anthem and then you guys come charging out there. It's game time. Maybe. Exactly. You know? When we would enter the field in the old days, it was, it was time, time to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, time yeah that was probably, uh, you know, that was probably it. Well, I talked about Whitney Houston, um, and this is just an interesting question because of all the nonsense going on. Uh, how was Roseanne's version of the national anthem? <laughs> <laughs> that was something, wasn't it? What was that? You know, there's no saying that the, the difference in a professional and amateur is consistency. Roseanne's been consistent because she was young when she sang that, right? Oh, man. And, and, and versus, you know, the, the, the scenes that they're showing now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know how how she got by with that. No, no. I mean, that was an aggressive... Oh, it was embarrassing. It was. I mean, it embarrassed everybody. Yeah. You, you know, uh, but I but I laughed because I thought of that the other day with all of this with the anthem and Roseanne, all her issues now and going. And I go, right. what about her anthem? You know. Yeah. You know. And we've not had it's not it's not been a lot of press about that. It's yeah, not been yeah. comparisons well, to that. None, none at all. None. And I'm glad there's not. You know, 
we don't we don't need all of that. That's well, true. let's move on. We got that all. You know, we had to get that. I had to get that out there. Now we're done with that. Hopefully, uh, that's going to go in the background at some point for sure. I hope. Training camps are now in progress. Give me the way too early thoughts on what you see for the season shaping up. Is there anything out there glaring that you're seeing what's going to be going on? Teams that are going to be making a leap? You know, how do you, how do you assess things right now today? Well, um, I, I think that um, you have some new coaches that's going into some new environments. Um, you know, the Raiders are moving to Vegas now, and, and I, 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 everybody's looking to see what impact that's going to have. Um, we, in terms of teams, uh, the NFC, you know, I'm an NFC yeah, NFC yeah, guy, yeah. and I, I think that the NFC has strengthened uh, themselves in some way, especially with the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, there's been so, somewhat of a regeneration. The Giants have a new coach with Pat Schumer. Um, the Cowboys have let go some of their name players, Des Bryant, you know, and now Dak Prescott is there and, and the leader in that locker room. Even um, Jason Whitten. Yeah. coming off the Cowboys, but I think there's been a, a resurgence. They've There's some good replacements coming up. Uh, I saw recently where the number one draft choice for for the Cowboys, uh, um, he actually, uh, what is it, uh, asked, got engaged to his girlfriend. His family now has a big bus. Is, is it Vander, Vander something? His family has a big bus that's going to travel to each place. So from the NFC side, I think that the fan base and the players – are ready to go. I think we've got a lot of good young players, you know, in that NFC East environment. I think that's going to be strong. And then there's another uh, NFC division that's going to be pretty strong, too. I know you wanted to talk about the <laughs> NFC Central and uh, the I'm Bears. I'm trying to draw it out of you. <laughs> I was slowly moving toward yeah. them. Um, Trubisky, you know, which is really a, 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 I'm telling Mitch Trubis- Trubisky that Scott Farber is his favorite <laughs> fan, his favorite fan. I think that that um, that, that Conference has always been a brutal conference. It's going to be tougher now. I That's think. right. It's going to be yeah. even tougher now. Yeah. The defenses have strengthened in that conference. I think Trubisky is going to settle in now and bring that offense around. The whole conference, Green Bay, the whole that whole conference, the Vikings, they've always been a grit kind of conference. And I now, think now the, the Vikings thing. picking up Cousins and letting their quarterback go that uh, came off the bench and took them pretty deep into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Is that an upgrade or a lateral move? I mean, uh, how good is Cousins? I think Cousins is a good leader, and I think that's what's required nowadays. We've got so many good athletes. I think that uh, I don't think that you're missing the scale from a leadership standpoint. I think how he interacts preseason with the players and gets adjusted to that environment. Right. I think all that'll help. And before you know it, I think they'll all mesh. You know, before we came on the air, we were just talking, and you were telling me that uh, the word was Roma wasn't the best leader in the clubhouse. I never heard that. Well, it's not necessarily that he wasn't the best leader, but he wasn't as verbal as millennials expect for leaders to be. Right, right. You know what I mean? Um, I think we've had conversations about the difference in the personality of the younger players now and the amount of money that they make and the kind of resources and opportunities they have, especially post-93 versus pre-93. Right. So I think that, that, that in a capitalistic country, it's about capital. So we, if whoever makes the most money has to have an integral role you know, in leading and in growth and stability in that locker room and on the field. Right, right. And normally, that's the quarterback. Now, you mentioned Dez, you know, from the Cowboys, leaving the Cowboys. And he's been in the news lately. Yeah. 
not doing uh, what, what you would think is the best thing, uh, tweeting against some of his former teammates, his coaches. What, what's that about? That, that was a, a little shock for me, actually. I, I, I was first hoping that Dez would be picked up at some point by someone. I think he had an opportunity with Baltimore, and that didn't come through. Uh, now I think they're purporting that he probably will go to Cleveland. Hopefully he will. Uh, but that was a – honestly, you, you, you hit the nail on the head, Scott. When he started to talk about uh, his linebacker co- his linebacker friend there at the Cowboys, yeah. that, was a, that was different for me. I didn't know that – I felt that there was a, a more of a camaraderie on that team than what those tweets reflected. Yeah, I, I mean, it was just struck me as odd that yeah. you, you would be seeing that, you know. All right, we're going to take a pause here because this is a test. Because um, if this works today, we're going to do this occasionally on, uh, on your uh, TV show. <laughs> okay, let's try. A little test. <laughs> a little trivia. You are a New York Giant. Mm-hmm. By the way... <clears throat> By, by the way, there's a first baseman on the Chicago Cubs, Anthony Rizzo, okay. who pitched to one batter in a game the Cubs were getting killed and they ran out of pitchers and Rizzo's been begging to pitch. And he threw like one, two pitches and a guy flew out the center field on a lob. I mean, it's like embarrassing. These major leaguers don't just hit home run after home run against right. the, uh, these guys that come out there and toss these little nothings. But he's come off the field talking about how he, <laughs> kidding, of course, mm-hmm. but how he's got the, uh, the only pitcher in Major League Baseball to have a, a whole career with a zero earned run average. <laughs> now, I did some research on you. How many passes did you throw in the NFL? I threw one. And what happened? And it was caught. So I'm the only <laughs> For how many yards? Oh, uh, well, it was thrown to Al Dixon, and it was about... It was about 30, 35 yards, maybe. Look at him. Look at that face. I can't remember. You're so full of... I can't, I can't remember. You're so full of... You know exactly how many yards it was. Was I mean, it? It was about... Uh, I threw it to Al Dixon. Yeah. It, it was 65 degrees outside. Was, <laughs> hey, and I got to tell you, I got mad at Al because Al didn't fall in the end zone. He fell on the one-yard line, and then we ran it in. Because then I would have had one for one with one touchdown. So do you know what your quarterback rating is? Isn't it 100%? 118. I don't know how that's figured out, but you're 118. So you could probably could join Anthony Rizzo and claim you're the only quarterback with a 118 uh, quarterback rating for your entire career. Rizzo and I are going to start a foundation to help kids, right. right? You know, I just, I just looked at that and I went, holy cow. What were you doing on offense for one play? Well, what that was was I got a quick little history, right? I come out of high school as a quarterback and wide receiver, defensive back, versatile player, get a college scholarship. Joe Gilliam is a quarterback. He was a versatile player. (laughs) Joe Joe Gilliam is a quarterback who was the quarterback for Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, right? So I had to to play defense, but I was always throwing the ball around, working in drills, throwing and stuff. I held field goals and extra points and that kind of stuff. And so when I got to the World League, you know, I, I ended up making it as a free agent. I ended up holding field goals and extra points. But the coaches would watch me. I'd always get there early. they watched me throw and stuff. So I became the third quarterback on all the teams that I played. I was the third quarterback with the Giants. I was the third quarterback with the Grizzlies. And I never knew qu- that. Yeah. I was so back- you had to get called in one time. Everybody was hurt? Well, I, I knew a few offensive plays, and I always would throw drills, passing drills. No, but why did you get in? 
Oh well, I, I got in because I was the I was the holder of field goals and extra points. Right. And um, this was the first time that they had called a, a fake play. Oh. And we had practiced this oh. fake play all the time. Oh, so this is a fake play. You weren't out there with the offense. No, I wasn't with the offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a fake field goal. Next field goals. Uh, we was kicking a field goal. We I had called the fake play. Right. I put it down. I rolled left. Obviously, I still have it in my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I rolled left. Al Dixon runs a post corner. I hit him on a post corner uh, in the corner of the uh, corner of the field, and all he had to do was fall left. He falls right, and that's when. But we it was a first down, though. It was a first down, and it was almost a touchdown. Yeah, and you guys did score, though. We did yeah, score. Yeah, yeah. After that, yeah. I, I love it how you guys remember every. every that's true. You, you know true. Uh, who were you playing against? Now that I cannot remember. Oh, honestly. see, you know, there again, he's not telling the truth, <laughs> right. guys. He can remember. He just doesn't want us to think he can. Uh, uh, Who was I playing against? See, it's going to come back to him. Was it the watch. Eagles? I don't know. Was it the Bears? I don't know. No, I don't. Well, here we Bears? go. <laughs> was it the Bears? I can't remember. Oh, I think okay. I can't really remember. Okay. What it was. All right. Well, that that was kind of neat. I I just saw that and I go, holy cow! Good for you. Yeah. One eighteen quarterback rating. Larry Mallory, <laughs> third string quarterback of every team you ever played for. That's it. It's on the back of my football card, actually. <laughs> 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 so when that play is happening and you haven't thrown a pass in the NFL, mm -hmm. are you going, damn, I could do this? Or are you going, damn, what did I get into? No, I've always thought I could do it. So you were, you were thrilled to get that opportunity. Oh, yes, sir. I, uh, yeah. I had wanted to call that play more than one time, yeah. right? But he just went called... back in the player mode thinking I'm a coach. He called me, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's bringing back a good memory. Yes, that does. It does. Uh, I would look up more, but I don't know if there were any more. I think that's it, really. Okay. <laughs> I think no. that's it. All right, here we go. A little trivia for you. What Giants wide receiver? No, I'm not going to start with that one. That one's too easy for you. Let me let me start here at the top. How much did team founder Tim Mara purchase the New York Giants for in 1925? Was it $500, $1,000, $10,000, or $5,000? 1925. 1925. Was it Tim or Wellington? says Tim Mara. Oh, okay. Well, it was a 500. <laughs> he got it. I got it. 500 bucks. That's Isn't right. That amazing. 500. Who was Go ahead. I'm sorry. In fact, I think the 500 was actually in a crap game. They were gambling <laughs> in an alley in New York City, and he won it from a guy shooting crap for $500. That's what we heard at the Giants. So yeah. I'm not going to be embarrassing Larry with trivia because he knows more than a little <laughs> trivia game. Okay. But that is, that's amazing. That was how we got a New York Giant football team. That's right. From a crap game in the alley. That's what I heard. That's, what, that's the story is told. Oh, man. It's like I interviewed a guy who is a World War II veteran, born in the 20s, raised in Cicero, Illinois. So I looked at him and go, well, you got to have an Al Capone story in the 20s funny. in Cicero, Illinois. Funny you should ask, he tells me. He goes, <laughs> his brother Ralph lived in the house across the street of them with a machine gun in, uh, nest in the house facing out, facing this guy's house. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, different times. Yeah, you know? that's true. That's 500 true. bucks. All right. Who was the New York Giants opponent in their very first home game? Was it the Green Bay Packers, the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets, the Chicago Bears, or the Pottsville uh, Maroons? This was the very first game they ever had? Or the first game in first the new home state? Game. First, first home, home game. game. I think I'd go with the Pottstown um, Maroons. Maroons. I'm going to go with the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets. 
Frank- all right, all way I to go. Only because I looked before. <laughs> Frankfurt Yellow Jackets. All right. Frankfurt, from what, team, from what city? Frankfurt, Ohio, some Frankfurt? Where would, where would they There's come? a street in Dallas called Frankfurt. That's true. That's, you know, true. that's about it for me. <laughs> Look, you're going to have to research that now. I will. Okay, two more. Okay. What New York, see, even I knew this. What New York Giant wide receiver came to national prominence, prominence during his rookie season after a stunning one handed catch? Was it Odell Beckman Jr., Victor Cruz, Jeremy Shockey, or Amani Toomer? We'll go with Odell Beckham Jr. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> There you go. It was against uh, uh, Sunday Night Football against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. 2014. All right, last one. In 2004, what player did the New York Giants trade the San Diego Char- Chargers for for rookie quarterback Eli Manning? Was it J.P. Lossman, LaDainian Tomlinson, Drew Brees, or Phillip Rivers? I have no idea. I But I'm going to go with... Philip want to go to San Diego, and I know he didn't want. To. I'll go with Philip Rivers. Yeah, that's what would have been my guess. Yeah, yeah, that would have been my guess. You yeah. know, on that too. All right, that's kind of neat. That is neat. I, I like you know, that. Um, that one hand catch. I'm trying to think of the defensive back's name. I don't remember. I just remember that catch. And that defensive back actually played at a high school in Flint, Michigan, and my cousin was his coach. Oh wow. He was a good defensive back. He came from the Kansas City Chiefs. He came here, and now he's either in New England or somewhere else. But like, he, well, actually, well, his mom moved here when his mother passed, but his father moved here. He's bound. He's bound to be a uh, a trivia question. Okay. So at some point, I think uh, I think that would be a uh, a trivia question. So when we have a little trivia time, we'll have to insert the circus music and the. Uh, um, you know, and the whole thing on that. Yeah, you know. that was a nice question. You know, so I was talking, I was telling you, mentioning to you about my son uh, uh, a little bit earlier, how he sent me this long email yesterday, and I said, Jordan, I can't respond to you right now because I'm busy, I was at work. But he sent this long email explaining to me how the millennials, bless their little hearts, um, their generation isn't going to make as much money as the generation before them. And their generation was left with all of this, all of these problems and everything. And it's all our fault. And I answered him that I go, you know, I grew up in the generation that never trust anybody over 30 because it was all their fault. Right. So is this a generational thing that every generational blames the previous generation for the mess they're in? Because I, I remember we complained about clean air and, and water back when we were kids. It seems to be the same arguments, but now he is firmly believed and he's sending me all of the, and everything with him is scientific proof. Mm-hmm. And everything is scientific proof that our generation screwed everything up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what do we say to them? Well, that's one of those difficult questions you told me you were going to have for me today because <laughs> yeah. that, that's a hard one. You know, millennials today, even in sport, you know, they, they, um, they are truly aligned to their effort being remunerated properly. Right. But as you said, you know, our, our generation was one to say that we always wanted to give our kids more than what we had, you know. And right, right. It's worked that way. But every generation. And that's where I was going, that, yeah. I think. You're right. Every generation, I think, does the same thing. They just do it differently. They do it in the way in which it's prominent in the area in which they're in. We did the same thing that he's, he's doing. Right. You follow me? Right. So I think each generation... 
as things get better, especially if you live in this country, because in this country up until, well, in this country, we've always tried to get better as we go. You know, each each decade right, should right. be better than the previous right, right. decade. And and I think that's what makes us makes us who we are. That's what makes us so fantastic to be here. So I'm thinking that that the millennials now are just taking it. They're they're uh, what do they call it, uh, uh, cyber hyper. In other words, they're going much faster than we were. Right, right, right. In terms of analyzing where they right, are and right. how it compares to future generations. Well, he was listing all of these things, and it's all our fault and everything. And I'm going, but all of these things have been been around a, a lot longer than we've been around. Yeah. You know, so I just find it really, really interesting how they want to squarely lay blame on us. And yet, a lot of millennials grew up in a very privileged life, I think. Yeah. And uh, um, is it they just expect too much, demand too much? You know, um, um, did we give them too much? I, uh, My daughters do the yeah, same yeah, as Jordan, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, I think we gave them too much. You know, <laughs> I, I just remember my mother looking at me when I was a little kid. And I'd always say, ask about something, and she'd look at me and say, "Are you crazy?" Yeah. And that would be the end of it. Yeah. Nowadays, I don't know what they're buying until the bills start coming in from Amazon, you know, because you just, you know, they just go and spend. You know, Scott. I also think I'd like to hear your perspective on this. I like. I also think that in our day, um, we didn't have as many influences on our thoughts. We had. We had a set number of impressions. When you and I grew up, there were three or four channels right, on TV. Right. And it went off at 10.30. And it went off at 10.30, yeah. right. We didn't have a tablet or cell phone. We didn't have that. And uh, we had a chance to interact with each other. Right, right. And one of my perspectives is that with all of these impressions, we've gone from us having, let's say, 15 or 20 a day on some type of newspaper or television to them having hundreds and hundreds and hundreds per hour. Right, right. Just from having all this. So I think the influence is different. And with the influence being different, you have access. You feel, you know, like you are different because you have so much access to so much, so many different things and you can compare everything to everything. I think that's sort of you know, impacts how they view things and how they measure things. Yeah, you know, it's really it's really difficult to say. You know, we, we do a podcast on GBC, mm-hmm. uh, and I do it with three, for lack of a better word, old ladies. Mm-hmm. My mom, who's 93, and uh, two women, one, one in, I think just turned 80 and one in her late 80s, and just getting their perspective, and it's really cute, and, you know, we all laugh and, and giggle like, uh, you know, we call it Tales from the Senior Home, so you guys should look it up and get a kick out of it. I mean, they focused on simple things like they talk about their favorite meal growing up. I mean, liver and onions was, mm-hmm. was something they look forward to eating. When I have kids come into the office that just graduated college, their salary demands are, I always go, yeah, I made that in year 10 of owning this company. Right, <laughs> exactly. Know? That's what they're thinking they're going to start out of college. Yeah. I don't know if their expectations could be met, but I see blame being passed around, and I'm going. Well, what are you doing about it? Mm-hmm. What What do you want to do? You know. I thought I cut that off. It's all right. We'll let it. We'll just. We need a little pause. In the <laughs> okay. Just let right. it go. Adam, don't even edit it. Leave it in there. It's a podcast. <laughs> you know. Well, I, again, though, I, you're so right, and I think a lot of it has to do with with just so much access. 
they have access to so many more things and can compare to so many more things and you know what we had in our well lives. and jordan now is proving everything by science that's his new thing science science you know everything is you know everything is proved now by science like i was telling you he he was telling me that our generation ruined everything for his generation and he could prove it by science <laughs> right. you know and i'm sitting there going okay you know we all want clean air and clean water but we wanted that when we were kids too i think part of the problem is is that we have really tough politics going on now. It's really a, it's a, you know, I don't care if you like Trump or don't like Trump, it's a different time. You know, he's brought on a lot of difference going on here in the world and you either love him or hate him and there's a lot of arguing and it seems to overlap everything. Well, we know how we were brought up to take care of our parents. Right. How do you perceive our children taking care of us? To a, to a cliff. <laughs> right, that's exactly. What I, I mean, I mean, we are the we are truly the sandwich generation. You know, um, um, I have a grown adult daughter from uh, a marriage that I had right out of college. It lasted six years, but I have my daughter, and she has her family now. So I'm a grandfather, yeah. and and Kelly is uh, you know 40 years old, and then I have Jordan, Rhonda, and I've been married almost 25 years now, and it's. Uh, Jordan, Samantha, and Alyssa. You know, Jordan's going to turn 22 on Halloween. Samantha, 21 in December, and Alyssa, 18. And then I take care of my, now my mom, my dad's gone, so, and we have my mom in a senior home. Mm. I have 19 colleges, it seems like, and apartments and cars. That's right. We are truly the sandwich generation. I see. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we have... We're covering three generations, you know, on, on what we do. That's a good point. And so, you know, it's, it's, you know, when I think of that, I go, and then somebody's complaining to me about something. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, it's, uh, you know, so we need sponsorships for these podcast people. So uh, we definitely you know, do because yeah. Jordan, Jordan is, you know, he, he, <laughs> he comes hard at you. But the girls come hard too, you know. My yeah, girls, right. come, that's right. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, it's not just Jordan. My my two girls let me know about like. I'm just saying Jordan's telling me we ruined his whole generation. That's right. Yeah, you know, and I'm still trying to uh, uh, process you know, that. Process that. Okay. Well, before we wrap up for today, let, let's 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 talk a little bit about sports. <clears throat> just different things. Tiger Woods has played in 12 golf tournaments. He's been in the top 10 in four of them. He's number 50 in the world. He was 550 right. a couple of months ago. Where is he going? He's going north. Isn't uh, that amazing? It is amazing. And uh, isn't he great fun to watch? I, I think he's, even at, even when he was underperforming, he was good for the game, right? Right. But with him performing oh now, my he's even better for the game. I and, mean, and it's almost not even about winning even though he's he's challenging and whatever he's doing, but it's not even about winning. He's been good for the game. There's another young kid that's coming up that they, I'm I'm noticing they're giving him a lot of airtime as well. His name is Harold Varner the third. Have right, you seen right. him? Oh sure. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if Tigers had any influence on him or not. You know, just because of the African American thing, but and it's not a whole bunch of them right, on, the, right. on the golf right, course. Right. But I, I just like how Tiger is is sort of the role he's playing now. I like his interviews a lot better. But you know what I like the most, Scott? And this is why I think that, and and this is really personal, why I think that he's doing better is because his family situation seems to be better. And all I'm doing is basing that on the fact that when he walked off that course in England, 
His kids his were there to hug him, and he was thrilled to see him. He them. was thrilled to see them. Yeah, two, his yeah. girls were there. Yeah, yeah. I think that that, that has done something well, you know, you know, to you his know, whole life. You know, Larry, we, we all grow up. And, and Tiger, you got, you got to look at... I am... There's not a bigger fan than Tiger Woods than me. Uh-huh. Let, me let me tell you. And I know his doctor that... I have his doctor on our website that oh. did his back surgery. Oh, cool. Um, but um, uh, Tiger was a young guy, a lot of money, a lot of attention. We, we all know his story and everything. And I think he finally did grow up. And I think he would have anyway if he wasn't missing golf, being injured. But there is nobody is dedicated or works harder than that guy. That's true. Because the, the time he was down, he was busting his butt. And But what bothers me is that he was in two golf tournaments uh, I forget the name of the one that he was in where he came in second and then he came in, you know, sixth here. Missed the putt, he would have been tied for second at, yeah. the, uh, at the British Open. But he was in the lead on both of these tournaments at one point on the back nine. Yeah. Tiger Woods from 10 years ago would have probably won those going away. Yeah, that's true. You, you know, I want to see him get over the hump and win that tournament. And, and that's where the could key. he go to? Well, that's the key, getting over the hump because he's, he's developed himself now to at least get back into the top 10. You know, or the right. top twenty. Right, right, right. Now he'll do the top ten, and so I'm seeing progress. I'm, I'm really is he, happy. Is he going to be number one ever again? Um, you know that to me is a combination of the well winning. Well, is a combination of his age and equipment. Right. Because I think equipment and the and the health and physical fitness right. of golf pros. Right. He he actually stimulated the physical fitness environment. Oh, he was the reason. That's right. Fit. That's right. So, I th- if 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 he if the if they if they can you know converge at the right time, he might be able to win a tournament. I don't know if he can win a major again. When you look at kids like uh, Dustin Johnson, that's averaging three forty on drives and. You know, and, and some of these kids... And Sergio are, hit it 4-11 into the water. <laughs> th- there we go. Uh, this <laughs> Rom sure. kid, you know. Yeah. Now what I see happening is just like Aaron Judge has shown that a six foot seven baseball player can be dominant, yeah. I think you're going to start seeing uh, college forwards and college centers in golf hitting it crazy lengths. Yeah. That, that to me is Tiger's challenge. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. the better athletes that's attracted to the sport, the bigger athletes and the the excellent equipment that they have yeah. now. I, I, and I'm going to make a prediction. You know, you said, can he win a major? He's going to win two more majors. He's not going to catch Shaq. He's going to win two more majors. Mm-hmm. And he's going to win about five more tournaments total. I like that. And he's going to make it close to number one. I don't know if he'll get there, but I'll bet yeah. you he'll make it to the top five. Yeah. Anybody who's going, gone from 550 to 50 this summer yeah, has got can. a shot to make it to the top five. If he gets two more, does he pass Jack with two? No, more? no, no. He he's got fourteen. Jack has eighteen. Oh, okay. So okay. you know, and the thing about Jack and 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 I remember in '86, I think was the year when he won that Masters when he came from way behind in the fourth round. Uh-huh. I was picking up a friend. We were going golfing, and sat down and just put that on and never made it to the golf course. Watched the finish of that tournament, and uh, so Jack was always my favorite back then. Uh, but the comparisons, who is better? It's so hard. You know, everything is generational. It is. It you is. Know, you know, it, there's only one athlete that I could truly say was the best athlete ever in his sport, and that's Babe Ruth. And people fight with me and go, oh, how can yeah. you say that? You know, and blah, 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 the equipment and, you know, this and that. As soon as Mike Trout wins 94 games as a pitcher, 
and then has a lifetime average of 340 with 700 homers, then you could have an argument. That's right, that's right. But, you know, those 94 wins as a pitcher really puts a damper on everybody's argument that they're better than Babe Ruth. That's true. You you know, so anyway. When are we going to play golf together? I actually played once finally again with Jordan. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We played nine holes, and um, and and I could brag about th- at least three shots on that round. <laughs> I hear you. But yes, we need to play as soon we as it gets a play. little cooler. I'm happy that we're getting started again. You know, this is the 2018 yeah. season, and uh, I'm looking forward to things. G- give me before we hang up here. Give me the Super Bowl prediction. Oh wow, that's a good a one. Way too early prediction. Yeah, that's way too early. Uh, let's see. Let's see a week or two before we do that. Well, I'm going to just tell you, I've, I got the team from the AFC, and it's the best team in Europe. Oh, Jacksonville. I got Jacksonville going to the Super Bowl this year. Huh. The NFC, I, I don't have an idea yet, so we'll wait a couple of weeks. We so, will. You know. All right, man. Good, good to see, see you. Ya. All right. Talk to you later. All Take right, care, cheers. everyone.